0: Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture,
1: and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. Greetings, hush to tears. Welcome back to another episode of the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. I'm Declassified
0: Dave. And I'm Mr. Mike. And as always, we're joined by our regional Mickey Mouse Club president, Slick Frong Sanders.
2: <laughs> That's Scooby. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shit. Ugh. At least you got a, a, a lovable character down, right? Uh, yeah, I, I suppose so. Yeah.
1: You had a good uh, Mickey Mouse going earlier, though.
2: I'll bash your broken brains in. <laughs> 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 so,
1: so, so what's up, boys? We are in uh, hush giving. Less festive. Less fun. More food. But uh, how we doing? I'm swell. I'm feeling the vibes. I like the fall vibes.
0: Living our best lives. Ready to take on the most evil of
1: all corporations. Well, Hushlings, the time has come for us to tackle a big one. Hushlings, you wake up to the sound of the phone ringing. It's your wake-up call from your concierge desk at your hotel. You hop out of bed, dash downstairs to your uh, intercontinental breakfast or Starbucks, get donuts, coffee for the family, everyone gets dressed, and you head out, because you guessed it, you're on fucking vacation. Yep, you're at Disneyland or World, depending if you want to live in California or uh, Crazy Florida. Frequently known as the happiest place on earth.
0: The theme parks you're visiting were the first of their kind and continue to fulfill the magic of Walt Disney's dream. Of creating a place where parents and children can spend their entire inheritance, college funds, uh, half their salaries for the year, and have fun together as well as groups of weird Disney adults sneaking in alcohol and starting fistfights with their babies in hand. Those are great videos, by the way, though. Great <laughs> Dude, videos. sometimes not even that. Like, adults just be
2: going to Disney by themselves. It happens. It's strange. Many of us have heard conspiracy theories regarding the connection between Disney and or Pixar characters, which is the whole episode, the disappearance of Walt Disney's body after his death, and other dark theories that Disney is using its resorts for CIA mind control programs like MKUltra, human trafficking, which we'll focus on
1: greatly in this episode. There's also occult rituals, sexual deviancy, and more recently, the inclusion of sexual orientation and gender identity that's in its works. We'll get to that. In another part, but today we'll be cutting into the wildest Disney conspiracy theories and uh, dissecting them.
0: But before we sprinkle some magic pixie dust on you and ruin your entire childhood, just want to remind you of our socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Reach out to us over there. Talk to us. Hang out with us. Follow along. It's a good time. And as always, be magical with us, you know, spread some that love Give us a review, drop us a review, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Podchaser, uh, tell your mom about it. Just leave us those great reviews. We love them. They help us to be better shows. And sometimes you just you rip us a new one and open our eyes to new
1: possibilities. I have a feeling we're going to get a few Disney adults after part two, ripping us some new ones. All good. All good. Okay. We still love them. And for everything Hush Hush Society, HushHushSociety.com, the one-stop shop. Episodes just like this one, merchandise, blogs, and the link to our Rockfin. Yes, our Rockfin. That's right, Dave. Um,
2: Hushlings, if you're currently listening to this episode, just stop. And go to rockfin and watch us look up hush hush society on rockfin and you will find our channel with all of our video debriefings hit that subscription hit that notification bell so that you get a little ding every time we post a new upload you can watch us in in 4k hd follow along with pictures and visuals and see all of our wonky faces
0: and hand gestures while we're talking it's a great time come on over all right boys Let's get into this one with a little history, shall we? Because this topic gets weird and spicy very fast. Disney was founded on October 16th of 1923 by brothers Walt and Roy Disney. Walt and Roy, good names. As Disney Brothers Studio until it was changed to the Walt Disney Company in 1986. Wonder what happened to Roy? You don't really hear about Roy Disney.
1: Actually, the history on it. Is like a whole episode between them and their business ventures, but uh, yeah, I didn't focus on Roy. Did Roy fuck Walt's wife? Is that what happened? That's what happened. All right. <laughs> what if Roy, You're here? What if Mickey Mouse was actually Roy? Turned him into stop. <laughs> stop. Oh
2: boy. The company is known for Walt Disney Studios, which includes Walt Disney Pictures, Walt Disney Animation Studios, Pixar, Marvel Studios, Lucasfilm, 20th Century Studios, 20th Century Animation, as well as Searchlight Pictures.
1: Whole slew of media. Mm. Mm -hmm. And since the 1980s, Disney has created and acquired a massive corporate market with more mature content than typically associated with its family-oriented brands. Disney's other main businesses include divisions in television, broadcasting, streaming media, theme park resorts, cruise ships, consumer products, retail, publishing, and international operations, whatever the fuck that means.
0: And through these avenues, Disney owns and operates the ABC broadcast network, cable television networks such as Disney Channel, obviously, ESPN, Freeform, FX, and National Geographic publishing merchandising music and theater divisions direct to consumer streaming such as Disney plus star plus espn plus and almost the entirety of hulu pretty soon pretty soon everybody remember that uh blackrock vanguard Tavistock? disney's a big part of all that
1: they do seem to own or monopolize the entire Streaming services besides like a few other studios that are in Hollywood, like uh, Paramount Disney owns everything, their little dirty mouse hands and everything,
2: which is strange considering how poorly they're doing financially right now, like Disney is plummeting their stock is at like an all time low right now. So it's weird that they own the majority of streaming yet they are drowning. In 2022, Disney has also been ranked number 53 on the Fortune 500 list of biggest companies in the United States by revenue. Since its founding, the company has won 135 Academy Awards, 26 of which have been awarded to
1: Walt himself. I wonder how many of those were awarded to Walt post-mortem. Probably all of them. Praise the Lord, Walt Disney. They really do own... Uh... Everything. But then again, if you go to like Universal Studios, those mass markets, you know, like Transformers and Nintendo and all this other uh Jurassic Park. So they own their own section of it. But do you think they cross swords in some way, shape, or form?
0: I think that they buy certain IPs. So like Disney owns parts of Fox, right? Let's say that you go to Universal Studios, especially Islands of Adventure down in Orlando, they have a Marvel section and that ip has to be bought or it has to be leased or however they do that so that universal can use those intellectual properties and they belong to marvel which belongs to disney i would say more so universal or other companies buying from disney than disney buying from other companies but
1: yeah it was i mean it was like the same thing with lucasfilm years ago you know when lucas arts went to uh, and what is it? an industrial light and magic, the studio that did all the special effects for Star Wars went over to Disney. Wild stuff. Big, big company. Well, now that we got that in the books, let's begin with the Disney underwear dilemma. You guys ever heard about the undie dilemma at Disney?
0: Yeah, they don't make sizes for adults. I've looked. <laughs> <laughs> Locking
2: them
1: Donald Duck underwears. What are you yeah. doing? I know everybody's probably thinking, they're like, well, I haven't heard of this. I hope to God they're not sharing underwear with children. You never know. We're talking about the characters, also known as cast members. Uh, they actually used to share underwear. Company underwear. No lie, not a hoax. The truth. Uh, the company insisted that the performers wear company-owned underwear, and the employees were guaranteed that they'd be washed properly and regularly. Kind of like a, like a sports jersey. Throw it in the bin and See you later. You might have Sally's underwear next next shift. Uh, who knows? That meant <laughs> that the humans inside these mascot characters had to essentially uh, share skivvies. The cast members were supposed to turn in their undies, like you said, at the end so they could be properly washed. Not sure if that happened, though. Gross.
0: I'm sure that's why they had to turn them in. Imagine you get to work and they're like, here's your underwear for the day. And they're just real stiff. And you're like, ugh. <laughs>
2: Well, it kind of makes sense, though, because really all it takes is like one skid mark inside of the goofy costume for somebody to freak out and then be like, all right, fuck it. We're doing you guys' laundry for you. You need to wear our underwear because other, I don't know, something probably happened. Some shit probably leaked or somebody smelled like piss or
0: I don't know. So you think it was a hygiene-like decision?
2: Probably like if if you can't wash your underwear properly, we're going to do it for you and you're going to wear ours.
1: He's just got cast members just farting up these costumes and they're just like, no, 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 no. You got to wear our approved undies. You think maybe a
0: guest complained and they were like, yeah, so I went to go take a picture with Goofy and he smelled like pure B.O. (laughs) Just terrible.
2: That dude smelled like a sewer in New Orleans. (laughs) pre or
0: post katrina both katrina probably
2: made it smell better flushed that shit out
0: well after numerous complaints from cast members about dirty underwear about scabies and pubic lice (laughs) fantastic among other obvious underwear dilemmas the teamsters union good old uh good old capos came in and negotiated in 2001 for cast members to each have their own set of Disney-approved underwear and that they themselves could launder them. Very
1: nice. You know, you got to grow up at some point. Why didn't they do that in the first place? If you're supplying (laughs) uniforms, you can't just buy a bulk pack of Hanes. You had to be like, you know what? And it took them like how long? How many years? I mean, this, this was rectified in 2001, so... Imagine there's two decades of the same rotted out, crusty <laughs> underwear. How how do you define
2: Disney approved underwear? So maybe it wasn't the the quality of the hygiene, but like the, the actual underwear they were wearing.
0: Or like a little kid saw the Hanes waistband sticking out of the pants or something.
2: <laughs> now
1: my son knows that Goofy isn't real. Great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing that I read was that they... Had like binding issues, like stuff getting stuck. So you could be right. There could be underwear, like garments, like hanging out, and somebody was like, "Woody wears Joe Boxer." What the fuck? like? And then
2: childhood ruined. Now, Hushlings, one of the most famous conspiracies about Disney as a whole is the theory concerning Walt Disney's frozen head, totally Futurama style. And we're going to just cut to the chase. Walt Disney wasn't cryogenically frozen, and his frozen body and or head is not underneath the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. In reality, he died in 1966 from lung cancer. Huh, was he smoking? And he was cremated two days later. In 1972, given by Bob Nelson, president of the Cryonic Society of California, he said Disney wanted to be frozen but stressed that he wasn't. Disney's ashes are located at the Forest Lawn Cemetery in Glendale and have not been scattered around Disneyland.
0: Wait, so you mean to tell me that Walt Disney... Requested that he be cryogenically frozen, but they denied that or didn't follow through with his wishes. Yeah, it's because Walt Disney is a fucking Nazi,
2: and that, that they brought him back, and now he's pushing some weird sort sort of fucking
0: gender sexual agenda. <laughs> Conspiracy <laughs> solved. Fucking roll the credits. This is wild. I I don't know how much I believe that. Walt Disney was like, "Yeah, I want to be cryogenically frozen." And the president of some cryogenic company comes out and he's like, yeah, uh, well, uh, we, we didn't do that.
1: <laughs> I heard that the connection between the movie Frozen, like this, the, the movies Frozen, they made those because too many people were typing in Disney Frozen Head and Google. So now when you type in Disney Frozen, the only thing that pops up is the mask of the movie. So you can't actually find it.
0: Oh, yeah, that that's part of the conspiracy, too. They created Frozen to block out the Google searches.
1: Fun fact, guests often sprinkle loved ones' ashes around these parks. In fact, it happens so often about once a month in each of their properties that the custodians have a special code name for handling it, and it's called a HEPA cleanup where uh, custodians show up with an ultrafine vacuum and they suck up the ashes of your loved one and throw them in the fucking trash. So uh, don't spread your loved one's ashes at Disney because it's going to end up in the stormwater drains in Anaheim or Orlando.
0: I mean, ultimately, isn't that where we all end up?
1: Yeah, but it's, oh, grandma wanted to, can you imagine being on like a ride and all of a sudden it's just like, just get hit with the <laughs> dust. Yeah. <laughs> magic
0: mountain (laughs) as you're going down somebody just takes the top off the urn (laughs) (laughs) bye mom bye (laughs) can you
2: imagine being on your deathbed and saying spread my ashes at fucking Disney World (laughs) like people ask for that your whole 70 something years has all led up to this
0: there's got to be at least one Disney adult that is requesting that of their family
1: how do you get in though? Like I understand, like you can sneak alcohol in with like a water bottle and stuff, and like cartridges and shit. But h- how do you get it? With, how do you get it with just like an eight pound urn? It's the same way MS13
2: gets fentanyl in- into the United States. Balloon- Mattresses? No, balloons up their ass with their loved ones' ashes. Oh my
1: god. <laughs> The journey your loved one has to go through just to get their ashes spread at Disney World.
0: I spread my aunt into 26 balloons and stuck them up my ass to get into Disney. (laughs) Have you guys ever heard of a smellitizer? It's a novel name. I mean, whoever came up with it. Fantastic. Some conspiracy theories accuse Disneyland of controlling your mind in many ways. And we'll get to that, but I bet you didn't think that we would do it through your nose. The nose knows. Disneyland smells great, and that's by design. The Smellitizer is a clever device invented by Imagineer Bob McCarthy to manifest smells throughout the park. I mean, that's just good marketing. It's just good marketing. Yeah,
2: It, it really is. What those characters walking around smell like. What do they (laughs) smell like? Well, they're fresh now that they have new Disney underwear. Hopefully they've got those uh, little pine trees hanging in their badonkadonks. The smells are designed to correspond with what you're experiencing. For example, you'll smell cookies on Main Street, candy and vanilla at Candy Palace, and other various areas. If you visit during a specific season, you might even smell what makes you nostalgic for that season in particular, like peppermint or gingerbread during Christmas or pumpkin spice in the fall.
1: It's like that with the churros. You you could be like nowhere near where they're selling churros and you're like, what's that smell? You're getting blasted with it through air. I have to walk half a mile to
0: go get a churro right now. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Is it that they are taking freshly made churros and sticking them inside of like the AC vents or something like that, or the exhaust vents, and that's what's blowing out.
1: <laughs> like like the pie on the windowsill?
0: <laughs> yeah, or are they taking it the step further and creating a chemical smell for churros that they make?
1: Yeah, uh, they have kegs of chemicals.
0: You know, I would respect it more if it was like, you know, just somebody sitting there with a box full of churros and they just go and put it in front of a fan or something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Some old lady just keep replacing the churros as they're (laughs) coming out. It's actually uh, not just sweet things and nice things. The Haunted Mansion also has a musty odor and all of those smells are actually timed precisely, released relatively and discreetly and directly and dissipate quickly and can be used repeatedly throughout the day. So yeah, they have like uh, CO2 cans or giant cans. Uh, In an interview in 2017, former Disneyland employee Jody Jean Dreyer said the smellitizers are used to provide a complete experience. That's interesting. They use the musty smell in the Haunted Mansion when it's not even just like an old building or like Pirates of the Caribbean. You think you're smelling like just pool water and it's really them spraying algae smell in your fucking (laughs) nose.
0: Or like Pirates of the Caribbean. You're smelling like rum. And then you realize that your uncle is sitting next to you on the ride. Anyways, um, my thought is I just want to become a Disney employee so that I can huff those smellitizers and get high on lunch. Huff the haunted mansion must. (laughs) (laughs) Just getting blasted on pumpkin spice and fucking popcorn smell.
2: I don't, I don't want to get it too twisted too early. Like there's a clear distinction between them trying to capitalize on your senses and them trying to get you to have an immersive experience. Like for example, that haunted mansion must, that's simply for the immersion of the experience. (laughs) Whereas the blasting churros throughout the entire park so that you have to walk crazy far and stand in a two hour line for a churro. Like that's them taking advantage of you. They're definitely doing this for multiple purposes, multiple reasons.
0: But overall, it's a marketing scheme, whether it's for selling food or selling the experience as a whole. For sure. Yeah. I mean, and it's pretty fucking genius, actually. But if you
2: already bought into the experience, I'm sure that must is really doing it for you.
0: I also wonder how many other amusement parks are doing the same thing. Like I go to Universal Studios every year. Mm-hmm. And I smell so many different things, whether you're going through like haunted houses or different areas of the park and you're smelling yeah. food. Is that the real smell? Like are other
1: amusement parks doing the same thing? I mean, I wouldn't see why they wouldn't capitalize that. I'm sure, especially in places like, you know, Universal, both California and Florida they're so close both those parks are so close in proximity of each other and employee turnovers I'm sure people that used to work at Disney worked at Universal and vice versa because I was just at Universal and their uniforms are literally the Disney uniforms they have the vests the little oh I'm from this town they have like almost the exact same shape of everything but I did notice that at Universal that Disney doesn't do is Universal will spray you with mist or hot air or cold air And they're a lot more physical sensory as opposed to just like your nose. They're very screen oriented as opposed to Disney. But I would say Universal, whatever they're doing, ripped Disney off because Disney for sure was doing it first. Another
0: page into the mind control area, allegedly during the 50s, 60s, 70s. At least 90% of the Illuminati's trauma-based mind-control slaves were subjected to watching the film Fantasia. Now, that's a fucking weird film. Have you guys watched Fantasia? There's some weird stuff going on
1: in that movie. Rewatch it as an adult, and it's even more bizarre.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Some of the children allegedly had their eyes taped open. Wow a la Clockwork Orange, to watch the film over and over and over. The film was often shown to child victims around three to four years of age with a wide screen while a child was under a guided LSD trip. Holy shit. Must have been terrifying. Prior to the use of LSD, some other drugs
1: were used, obviously. I, I couldn't don't... vet this. This was something I found on Reddit. So I couldn't vet anything that the Illuminati was taping children's eyes open uh, to watch this movie. But it does does get a little deeper. A grand dame or mother of
2: darkness often worked with the Illuminati programmer as an assistant programmer. The time clock would begin when the feature film's action begins and then will run its entire 116 minutes. You can read a blow-by-blow description of how a Disney movie is used for programming on Graham Hancock's website in the forum section. But here's the first minute and a half. What are your thoughts? Dave, take it away.
1: All right. At zero, zero minutes, curtains open. Action begins with an orchestra. The conductor upon a step pyramid is the center of the scene and is shown to be the center of authority. Master programmer Joseph Mengele liked Fantasia because he was a musician and a violinist and a fucking Nazi. Uh, Mengele liked Bach, Beethoven, Schubert and orchestral music. He enjoyed taking what he liked using the music to make slaves. So Fantasia, that fucking old damn. Uh, he would portray himself during the programming as being the conductor and all the orchestra were his children. The film will allow for repetition of this theme. So they're saying The conductor, this whole thing, is supposed to represent Mengele. Weird.
0: Yeah, and Fantasia was made in 1940. So yes, it is that old.
1: In the throes of World War II. Wild.
0: From the 32nd mark, the instruments begin playing. The musicians are silhouettes which cast shadows upon the wall. Alters will often see themselves in this fashion, too, as merely a shadow or merely a silhouette. At a minute and a half, the MC, named Taylor, begins talking. He begins grooming the viewer. He says that the film may suggest to your imagination, quote, geometric figures floating in space. See, this is just a wicked laser show. Get all fucked
1: up and watch Fantasia. We can put the link for Graham Hancock's blog in our show notes we have. It's it's very long and extensive. It's literally the whole movie, like every 15 seconds, play by play, and a description underneath.
2: You might be asking yourself what made Fantasia a perfect tool for programming. And it, in fact, was the orchestration of the color and music together on top of the fact that it was initially released in 1940 and then re-released in theaters in 1946, 56, 63, 69, 1977, 1982, 1985, and then lastly in 1990. And then, of course, on VHS in ninety-one. And this kind of goes in line with them remaking movies over and over that we can probably agree don't need to be remade, targeting the future generations moving forward as they continue to brainwash, continue to
1: control throughout the generations. Yeah, if you really think about it, like when we were kids, like Lion King, Little Mermaid and stuff like that, now they're remaking them with live action and more CGI, which you wonder why and it almost feels like they're trying to grasp the older millennials and the gen Xers that had those types of movies and they're trying to re-grab them in or it's just, well, let's make them a little bit older looking because these people all have kids now. It could just be both, but I feel like it's really like a grab because a lot of the new stuff is we'll get to it in the second part of this topic. It's pretty fucking suggestive. (laughs)
0: but also look at it this way i think that disney had the greatest hold over the millennial generation because prior to that you had the boomers and you had gen x let's say disney was still relatively in its in its inception when they were around obviously it grew exponentially since then so now jump forward to the 90s where most of millennials are in that age range of being five ten years old the perfect age for somebody to start watching these disney movies that definitely is the generation that had the most hold from disney now just like any other consumer product and just like any other company out there they're Making that move and using the nostalgia against us because now we have the money to spend. And that's why, like you said, I I would agree with you that them bringing back these live actions are not for the kids. They're not for this current generation of children. It's for the millennials. It's for the people of those generations to re-spark that nostalgia, make the extra buck on it, and keep moving forward. I don't know. Like, I I look at it as the generation after me and my son's generation. If you go from maybe early 2000s to even now, there weren't these insane cult classic Disney movies that were made, like, were made in the late 80s, early 90s, throughout the 90s. You know? There are very few... Of those Disney movies that were made that were standouts, Frozen is one of them. But is Frozen, again, that harks back to that conspiracy. Was Frozen made to be bigger and wilder and put more marketing into to hide the fact that Disney's, you know, Walt Disney's head is in a chamber somewhere, Frozen? We don't know I mean it's it is a wild play because, in the respect of making profit and making money off of a movie, they made tons, but they also dropped tons of marketing into it, and if they are covering the conspiracy of Walt's Head, it makes it good for both ends of that, but realistically, you know if you look back over the past twenty years, let's say fifteen years something like that. Disney hasn't been putting out hit after hit after hit. It's not like the 90s. And that's why a lot of these adults and a lot of people will go back and they'll say, why the hell is Disney not doing what they used to do? Why are none of the current movies hitting like the old movies? Why aren't they doing... And sending a message and doing what all these, maybe it's bringing us into the current age of just trying to be PC and trying to appease to every group and every person and every age range. And, you know, maybe they're spreading themselves too thin.
1: To play devil's advocate too, the late 80s and the early 90s was when the VCR and the VHS cassette tape really took hold in everybody's home and renting movies uh, was m- more of the spectacle of just going to the movies. So mm-hmm. you had that too. Everybody had that. I believe the The VHS was made in the s- late 70s and the VCR came into play in the mid 80s, especially consumer products. So, And it could just be the writing was better. I mean, TV was pretty fucking good back in the day. <laughs> and there's also, like you said, restraints on what can be put into movies and what can't be put into movies. Like the most famous Disney it's not even really a conspiracy. It's there in the original release in little mermaid when the priest has a boner at the wedding and then they took it out. And I think also the little mermaid, there was supposed to be a, a Dick in the castle on the cover of it or something yeah, like on the that. the Cover. I, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and then there's the word sex and the dust. When Simba lays down in the dirt, there's a bunch of those little things pretty much everywhere, but just, I, I was just looking at this, just looking at it like real quick. Movies that were released from the year 2000, this is just 2000 to 2009, and just produced by Walt Disney Studios. There's a whole lot of movies on here that you've probably never even heard of, like who's heard of Whispers and and Elephant's Tale? There was a Tigger movie, there was 102 Dalmatians, The Emperor's New Groove, which... Maybe hits on that, you know, uh, you know, like Frank's generation there, Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. you know, maybe late millennial there. Well, that's one of the movies that's kind of like the nineties ones.
0: Yeah, that was
1: 2000.
0: So Emperor's New Groove was December of 2000. There's Monsters, Inc. That's another big one. Uh, Lilo and Stitch, Spirited Away. uh, Banger.
2: Banger after banger.
0: Yeah. Treasure Planet, The Jungle Book 2, Piglet's Big Movie, Ghost of the Abyss, Holes, Finding Nemo. So I guess they did have some big hits in the 2000s, now that I'm looking at it. But then I would say mostly once you get past around 2006, it starts to kind of spin out. That's also when they start kind of in the 2000s, they start more focusing on live action movies, like Pirates of the Caribbean,
1: uh-huh. you know? Also, digital animation was more than just the drawing aspect.
0: The whole, uh, you know, publication of these things became easier too. You know, at, at what point is it like, are you just busting things out just to put things out, essentially? As another note, like most of the memorable, I would say almost a 100% of the memorable uh, Disney movies that were put out in the 2000s were made by Pixar.
2: You need to take into consideration, like in the 80s and 90s, when Disney was really popping off with these heavy hitters, they kind of had a corner on the market, especially towards children when it came to these huge feature films. Mm-hmm. At that time, you didn't have Lionsgate and Warner Bros. and Sony targeting that sort of age range when it came to movies and then moving forward into the early two thousands, those big media corporations started to pick up on it. And there, there was some heavy competition. And maybe during that, you know, 2006 to even the 20 teens now moving into the 2020s, they've got some heavy competition and they know what works. They know what worked. So now they're just going to start rehashing all of that shit because their originals just aren't doing it anymore.
0: Fair point. Here's where things get interesting. Was Walt Disney a Freemason, Illuminati, or have bloodlines of the original 13 families? Uh-huh. In 1066, the Battle of Hastings was fought in England. They confronted the Norman French army of William, the Duke of Normandy. And after the Normans' victory, William was crowned King of England. And the Norman lords were Hughes Suhard and his son Robert from Isigny sur Mer.
1: These guys ended up changing their last names, and from then on, they were known as Hughes and Robert de Hmm, getting closer. And eventually transformed into Disney. Hughes' descendants stayed in England for several centuries and gave their name to the village of Norton Disney. So there's a town. Norton Disney, interesting. And during the 17th century, a branch of the Disney family immigrated to Ireland. And in 1834, Walt's great-grandfather, Arundel Elias Disney, left Ireland to settle in Ontario, Canada. So around a 1,000 years of family lineage that's known, I'd say probably a high possibility that this guy originally could have a Maybe something to do with the 13. You really have to go back and check the Duke of Normandy, William's lineage to see. But that a thousand years of known family history is going back.
0: Yeah. So essentially, he's not a newcomer that came out of nowhere with no money in his pockets, you know, pulled pulled himself up by his bootstraps, the old American
1: dream. Well, yeah. I mean, his, his, however many great, 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 great grandfather was the Duke of Normandy. I say that's significant. I think he could be. With all the other things he had his hands in, he totally could have been.
0: He just got a small loan of a million dollars from his father.
2: To start a brainwashing empire.
0: Before we move on, and this is just kind of something that I was thinking about and wondering about going into this. Take out all the, the Reddit complications of saying that they were MK altering kids with Fantasia. Do you think, and I I would say a lot of this evil stuff comes in the later years of Disney, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Do you think that Walt was complicit in thinking, let's exploit these children, let's exploit these parents, or was he... You know, besides the anti semitism stuff, was he just, you know, a guy out there trying to make an experience for families and children?
2: It's funny you mentioned the anti semitism stuff because as you were talking, what came to mind were those old, like, Nazi ish cartoons and the weird, uh, fucking racist, (laughs) yeah the the racist depictions
1: of certain folks. Apparently anybody that was of color didn't have full formed faces in any old Disney cartoon. They were like blurred out. They weren't in focus, but I got to go back and actually like look at some of these old cartoons.
0: That's again, something that is more to do with the time now. I mean, obviously segregation, racism, all that stuff I'm sure existed obviously within the early years of Disney. Which eventually they would overcome and, you know, whatever. But what I'm saying is, do you think that Walt Disney himself was the mastermind or was complicit in the act of trying to exploit children and do these nefarious things? Or do you no. think once no. he stepped down and once the the corporate heads took over and the fucking business majors came in and they were like, you know what, let's squeeze them for every fucking penny they have. Like, do you think that Walt built that empire to be that way or was his vision completely different and then it was just fucking mutated after his death?
1: Probably the latter. Yeah. Yeah, well, also you got to take into consideration when did Disney start Disneyland, nineteen fifty five ish. When was MK Ultra and all that stuff going on? I would say not in the beginning. I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and saying he probably just wanted to create, like it said, a theme park where parents can enjoy themselves and kids can have a good time. But that's just giving him the benefit of the doubt. But then when you start to see real dollars coming in. And you know that this can be an international venture, not only having your first park in California and then going to Florida, and but there's one in Paris and all those other places. Tokyo, I think, had one. Some abandoned parks that they never opened. Um, but
2: whoever took control, I don't think they were putting all their eggs in the basket of the parks. Like, you're obviously going to no, be no. able to reach the most people with whatever nefarious means that they had in mind with their media. It wasn't the smellinizer that they were after. It was like pumping people with these like obscure ideas and this weird hypnosis of their funky animation and what
1: whatever was, you know, buried within that. But yeah, yeah. I'm just pigeonholing that one section of yeah, for sure. Of, yeah, it's it's so. I mean, it's a monopoly.
2: No, they, they definitely have some crazy reaches throughout many aspects of entertainment and your life and how you experience leisure for sure. And they're taking advantage of that. Oh yeah, I don't think Walt Disney had it had a, a a pentagram carved into his back and he was trying to like demonize America. In the 20s. No.
1: Imagine if you're like completely wrong and he did.
2: (laughs) He definitely could have had seance sessions in his basement. I don't know. (laughs) I'm sure he had some nasty secrets, but, you know, brainwashing the youth of the United States might not have been one of them. There's also the intriguing Club 33, which is made up of a number of private dining clubs located within the various Disney parks. First opening in 1967 inside of Disneyland Park, the club was modeled after numerous executive VIP lounges created by pavilion sponsors in the 1964 New York World's Fair. At the time, Club 33 was the only location within Disneyland to offer alcoholic beverages. Still is.
0: There's that 33... Mm -hmm. Uh Club 33 is located above the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction and next to Walt Disney's former apartment. Wow, so he lived
1: in the park? He lived in the firehouse on Main Street in the main entrance area of Disney. And there's a story of a maintenance worker that when Disney used to stay there, he used to leave like a candle or a light on in the window. And uh, after his death, one of the custodians would clean the apartment. They'd upkeep it, but the light would be on. She'd go in, turn it off, walk out, notice a couple minutes later, light would come back on. So then she finally, after a while, went in there, turned it on and just sat there and waited and the light would pop on. So I don't know if Disney wow. ever left. Yeah, that was a little a lot of paranormal stuff, too. Did you know that uh, Disneyland also has a uh, I don't even know the number, but like hundreds of stray cats that they just let in the park to kill off all the rats.
0: I mean, that's just money saving right
1: there. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's genius. Those Imagineers.
0: (laughs) The entrance of the club was formerly located next to the Blue Bayou Restaurant at 33 Royal Street, with the entrance recognizable by an ornate address plate with a number 33 engraved on it. Following a major remodeling in January of 2014, the entrance was
1: relocated to the Court of Angels. And there are two rooms in the club, the Le Grand Salon and Le Salon Nouveau. The walls are adorned with butterflies pinned under glass and hand-painted animation cells from the original Fantasia film. There's Fantasia again. Very interesting. I did see a celebrity going into there the last time I was at Disneyland, it was pretty interesting to watch them go into that club.
2: Was it Leonardo DiCaprio?
1: No, it was Pete Wentz of Fallout Boy.
2: I knew it was Pete Wentz. You know what? My my next guest was gonna be Pete Wentz, yeah. I swear to God. Yeah.
0: I was actually gonna say Pete
1: Wentz until Frank said somebody else.
0: Um
1: but dude, it costs like I think it's I think like the starting one, I think there's a wait list, but it's also like nine thousand dollars to just sign up just to get like on the wait list and then it's like a monthly fee of thousands thousands or yeah. yearly fee of thousands of dollars plus you have to probably prick your finger and drink adrenochrome lick walt disney's frozen tongue
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you got a french kiss walt disney you gotta do a shoeie from uh, one of the mascots from the shared shoes and undies traces of shit
0: Maybe all the underwear are Walt's old underwear. That's why they make him wear them. It's part of some weird ritual
2: he thought up while he was on the merry-go-round at 2 a.m. living in fucking Disney World like a
1: weirdo. The-
0: <laughs> fucked up on LSD. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, the only ritual you can get off of that is being like, I want everybody to wear my scent. Maybe he was Ridiculous. just a straight-up fucking narcissist, dude. Everybody's got to smell like Walt. All right, guys, it gets a little weird, too. Even weirder. Uh, Walt Disney had some connections with NASA. Mm. Nazi!
2: Hushlings will return after this short message.
0: The Fermi Paradox is a contradiction between the claims that intelligent life is more likely to exist in the cosmos based on scale and probability.
2: Our home, the Milky Way, is thought to have 200 to 400 billion stars, while the observable universe contains
1: 70 sextillion. The notion is that there is a complete absence of proof that intelligent life has ever developed anywhere other than Earth.
0: Also the opposite, considering the capacity of sentient life to overcome scarcity and its need to colonize new environments.
1: On Monday, November 27th. Join us for the Fermi Paradox.
2: Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour.
1: We're just skimming the surface on on this. uh, Man in Space is an episode of the American television series, which originally aired on March 9th, 1955. Two other episodes follow soon after, all of which were intended to promote Tomorrowland, to the public before Disneyland was to open its doors on July 17th, 1955, and on August 2nd, 1955, America joined the space race with the Soviet Union. Also in July of 1958, NASA opened its doors with 8,000 employees. What a dink. I mean, why wouldn't you take the one of the largest animated companies, if not the largest animation company at the time and just have them make your space stuff. I mean, that's just that's just good business.
0: Introduced by Walt Disney as one of his Tomorrowland programs, Man in Space mixes education and entertainment in a strangely effective mix. Renowned animator Ward Kimball directs and narrates this presentation, which received an Academy Award nomination for Best Documentary
2: Short. Kimball gives informative overviews using animation and video clips. The journey then leads to increasingly powerful rockets, which were still progressing in the 1950s. Heinz Haber, Werner von Braun, and Dr. Willie Ley, who would eventually land at NASA, were all front and center in the original episodes. Coincidence? A little more than four months later, America would be smack in the middle of a space race. And three years later, NASA would be born.
1: Werner Von Braun is in that episode. He's sitting on a desk with a little Saturn V racket. What? Talking about it. Yeah. I sound like this. I'm trying to sound like an American, but instead I'm a Nazi. I'm absolved of war crimes. It's also known throughout the ranks at Disney Studios that Walt was told to promote his Tomorrowland so that Americans would buy into the space race via a positive public relations campaign. They're already mixed up with the government right there. That's where they uh locked in. Fun fact, almost 72% of ticket holders actually visit Tomorrowland before heading to other realms of the park. Not going to lie, I think Tomorrowland is the first place I go every time. Very strange. You got to think too that this is all around that time too like this it's timing like you said earlier you know it's the 50s you got the space race going on we just brought all these nazis over in operation paperclip like i said you why wouldn't you use the top people you know and disney's even nowadays being accused of faking space but like what did the nasa
2: nazis get out of working with walt disney for his productions like what would they
0: get out of it money influence Influence? The ability to influence the American public. Ah. Think of it as like propagandizing their children without their children knowing it. A connection
1: born in the stars. (laughs) Born in Berlin. (laughs) You're right. Like they would capitalize on that. And also, Werner von Braun had to play along. You have to play along. You're a fucking Nazi who is a part of mass murder. You have to be like, oh, yeah, let's help America with the space race. Now, Wernher von Braun says in interviews, oh, I was forced into it. and But what better way than to, one, like Mike said, brainwash the American public, and two, continue your uh, research on uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles and space travel?
0: Well, we just mentioned their involvement with the government. How about the FBI? According to FOIA documents, from 1940 until his death in 1966, Walt Disney served as a secret informer for the Los Angeles office of the FBI. There it is, ladies and gents. He's a fed. Within this 570-page Disney file, that's a pretty thick C file on Disney, most are redacted or withheld for, quote, national security reasons. Still to this day? Hmm. Odd. Therefore, we cannot be sure what names of Hollywood figures Disney passed on to the Bureau as communists or subversives. Huh. Huh. Disney was a rat.
1: He did make a mouse. Very popular.
0: Is that some sort of, uh, huh? huh? Yeah, yeah. Little nod? little A nod little circle
2: mm. here we go chasing the cheese all right sit down sit down you're you're going to want to get ready mike dave you guys sitting where are you standing sit down in the return for disney's information J. Ed gahuva the director of the bureau at the time allowed disney to film in the fbi headquarters in washington in exchange, Disney allowed Hoover access to some Disney scripts and made slight changes in a few lesser-known movies and an episode of the Mickey Mouse Club television show to humor the director.
1: Well, Mickey Mouse Club, that's deep, too, because you have all these big stars that started Mickey Mouse Club, like, uh, just, like Justin Timberlake and... Yeah. Was, it Brit, was Britney, Britney Spears, Spears like all, all these big pop stars? I think Jake Gyllenhaal was a fucking Mickey Mouse Club kid. Huge, a lot of these Hollywood actors that are in there. Ryan know. Gosling. Ryan Gosling is yeah. I
2: don't. I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme song was written and performed by They Might Be Giants, who is like I don't know if it's universally this huge psychedelic band, but for me it was. Like that, that's like psychedelic music. I wonder if there's any sort of mind control involved in the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme song. I don't know. I don't Could know. Could be. I might have made they might be giant something that they're not by consuming those um,
1: illicit substances. I mean, when you're talking about theme know. songs, because Disney does own the Muppets now, there's the Muppet Babies show which the intro to that is very interesting. There's like one line in it that says, if your world is weird and strange and you don't want to be there, Muppet babies, <laughs> like it just like goes <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck was that? It's almost like you get tased when you're listening to the intro of that, <laughs> that show. It's
0: like if so, you're a child going through existential
1: crises, Muppet don't babies. worry the Muppet babies. <laughs> because of the information that Disney provided at the Bureau, he was made a sack Got that SAC, SAC full special agent in charge contact in 1954. And uh, you might ask what a SAC contact is. It is someone who is usually trusted informer who can provide transportation and equipment as well as public relations services to the Bureau. He was in there like swimwear, man.
0: I'm still stuck on the fact that Disney was he was a rat.
1: Yeah. And it, it was probably more because of the communist stuff than anything. But
0: all right, before we get into anything else, let's let's talk about a few other rumors like no one ever dies at Disney, which keeps it the most happy place on Earth. Lots of people seem to think that Disney will not allow anyone to die on its properties. They'll just pick you up in the middle of a coronary and throw you out on the sidewalk outside the property, requiring all ill-fated guests to be officially pronounced dead elsewhere. <laughs> In the book, Inside the Mouse, there is an account in 1992 from a medic that said that this was actually a park policy when a guest killed himself in front of the Epcot Center at Disney World. Yet people have definitely died or sustained fatal injuries at both American parks. Here are a few from Disneyland.
2: In 1964, a 15-year-old boy was killed trying to stand up while on the Matterhorn bobsleds. He was thrown from the ride and died three days later. Not at Disneyland. Two teenagers were killed 13 years apart, both while trying to hop cars while on the People Mover. Ricky Lee Yama, 17 years old, was crushed to death. And in 1967, Gerardo Gonzalez, 18 years old, was crushed and dragged by a car when he fell
1: onto the track. But he didn't die at Disneyland. No, they must have thrown him in an ambulance. And like you said, yeah, yeah. Got out onto Orange Avenue and said, all right, he's dead.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And in 1973, an 18-year-old man drowned after he and his little brother, who was 10, hid on Tom Sawyer Island until after closing and then tried to swim across when they wanted to return home. The older brother tried to carry his younger brother to shore, but he didn't make it. He disappeared under the water about halfway across. The 10-year-old was rescued by a ride operator, but the older boy's body wasn't found until the next morning.
0: He was still alive, though, right? He had to be alive. He had to be alive because nobody could die there. Nobody dies there. Yeah. So he was alive when they found him.
2: Mm. Still wearing his Mickey
0: Mouse hat (laughs) with the ears. (laughs) Jesus Christ. In 1998, Luan Fee Dawson, 33, and Lu Toy Vong, 43, were waiting to board Columbia. As the boat docked at the rivers of America, it tore a metal cleat loose, which stuck both Dawson and Vong. Vong survived, but Dawson was declared brain dead two days later.
2: This is supposed to be the pinnacle of your adult life, (laughs) and now you're dead.
0: You're having a great time wearing your stupid fucking ears. In 2003, Marcelo Torres, 22, was killed on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad when the car he was on separated from the rest of the train. Shit. Torres was the only fatality, but several other passengers sustained injuries. Imagine you're just on some sort of fucking roller coaster. You're in the last cart, and then all of a sudden you go up, the cart fucking disengages, and you fly off or something. Ugh, nuts. Nuts. I've had wild dreams about
1: stuff like that. I hate (laughs) roller coasters, man. I hate them. (laughs) No, I don't like that shit.
2: In June of 2016, a little boy named Lane was gathering sand for a sandcastle when an alligator grabbed him and dragged him into the lake. His father jumped into the water but was unable to rescue his son. and His body was found 16 hours later, still alive, within the alligator.
1: I'm surprised they found him.
2: He wasn't actually alive. I, I just now, threw that in. I'm sorry. Didn't this
1: just happen <laughs> no at Disney World recently? Like recently, there was a kid that was playing at one of the resorts, and an alligator tried to snatch him. I don't think it got him, but it tried to.
0: Ooh,
1: and uh, sure, they've interviewed people, especially at you know, obviously in Disney World, and these these are like swimming holes. These are like lakes that people swim in, and they were like, "How often do you see alligators here?" And they're like, "Every day." They just can't keep them out. So if you go to Disney World which a lot of people do check the water (laughs) before you pop in. You see little eyes pop up, you know, what Uh, do you
2: mean? They can't keep them out. They don't have fences
1: around this like place. Maybe not the resorts.
0: They could also crawl under
1: or come through big drains. Yeah. Big drains, big drain,
0: sewer,
2: they're going through the HVAC systems, eating all the fucking <laughs> churros. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm just having a tough time wrapping my head around uh, number 52 of the Fortune 500 companies not being able to like keep alligators out of their parks and resorts. I, I just can't. Uh, they probably want them there. They want those children dead. I'm saying it. I'm saying it.
0: <laughs> they should set up watchtowers with, with snipers.
2: Yeah, dude. <laughs> thermal and night vision, the whole nine. I don't care. Fucking landmines. Mines (laughs) Mines underneath the water that are attached to the chains, the big spiky ones. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, in December of 2022, Christopher Christensen, the principal of New England Elementary School in Huntington Beach, was found dead after reportedly jumping from the same Mickey and Friends parking structure.
1: Uh, I was there that day when that happened. No. Yep. Yeah, really? I wasn't there. I was there. I was in a hotel going the next day, but that's the parking structure I parked in. Couldn't imagine that.
2: Did they tell you somebody died there?
1: No, I was on the news. So you wouldn't have tried to help him. I mean, I don't want to get landed on by a man plus 200.
2: The fake news media got up in front of all of these Americans and said, they really said that somebody died at Disneyland.
1: We committed suicide.
0: Nobody dies there. Well, he tried to commit suicide. (laughs) He
1: tried. Yeah. And he landed
0: just outside the fence of Disney and blasted his
1: fucking face on the pavement. Can Can you imagine that? They're like, no, no, no. Look at the zoning. Look at the zoning. He's on this side of the birds of paradise. Bush. That's Anaheim. That's Anaheim, not Disneyland.
0: (laughs) You are no longer in Disney.
1: Jesus Christmas. Uh, On a lighter note, let's talk about more dead bodies. There's the question, are there real dead bodies at Disneyland? And according to the conspiracy of this on the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction, the Imagineers decided to use real human bones when constructing the ride because uh, fake bones just didn't look dead enough. Supposedly, they got the bones from UCLA's medical school. That's probably true. One of the skeletons and it's gloating over its treasure Two playing a game of chess and another met his end when he was stuck with a sword. And they say the skeletons remain there for many years until they were eventually swapped out for fake ones. I would say that that's a that's a true thing. I mean, they're just bones, just bones.
2: Yeah, people think that they see dinosaur bones at museums all the time. Why can't Disney use fucking human bones? Why not?
1: It's all the people we just listed. It's just them. They just
0: keep. keep. Have you guys seen the movie, the poltergeist poltergeist?
1: Yo, I saw that, that they used real fucking dead bodies, (laughs) real dead
0: bodies. There's a scene where they're like digging new construction in the backyard and it's raining and the hole fills up with water. And I think the mother is in the water. And she goes to get out of the water and in a dead body, like skeleton pops up. And yeah, that, that was not a prop. That was an actual person's skeleton. Creepy. So it's not unheard of. Oh, well, some believe that the skull and crossbones behind a skeleton lounging in a bed are real. A cast member supposedly told Disney blog, the Disney dose that the skull was real. Imagine. Such a big ride. Unless we forget about the hanging child in the It's a Small World ride. One of the most famous conspiracy theories or urban legends about Disney parks is that a family was on the It's a Small World ride when they were suddenly stopped and ushered off the ride. The mother of the family noticed a child hanging from the ceiling
1: and immediately snapped a picture. Fuck. Now, real quick, from the looks of that picture, that looks like a Chucky doll. Not going to lie.
0: I was going to say it is some sort of prop because it kind of looks like a prop. But then again, grainy picture, little kid sized. Mm. This picture has
2: circulated around the Internet for years with that story, occasionally with some variations. Sometimes it's a child who was killed and left hanging up there. Other times it was a suicide of a Disney Park employee, but it's always generally the same. Supposedly, this has been debunked as being a hoax, and none of the incidents reported at Disney or on this ride match the story at all. Additionally, cast members often swear that they see the dolls blink or appear in different places the day before on It's a Small World, as if they're moving around on their own or something. Maybe that's where Toy Story
1: came from. Good point. Paranormal activity at Disney Park. I'm sure there's there's quite a bit. I would not want to be creeping around some of those attractions at night. Because let me tell you, I've been on a few of those rides that had to be stopped. And you have to get off and walk off the whole fucking ride with a bunch of people. Because and... it was paranormal activity? No, malfunctions, but could have been paranormal oh. activity, malfunctioning the ride. Uh, but they flip the lights on and everything. So you just see everything. But imagine being there by yourself would be freaky as fuck. Like cruising Pirates of the Caribbean by yourself at night would probably be pretty weird.
2: Who's going to stop the ride?
1: It's <laughs> <Street laughs> <off. laughs> All right. Lastly, with this episode, secret areas, secret rooms. We talked about Club 33. But there's more secrets that lies underneath Disney. There are numerous reports of strange and clandestine spaces at Disneyland. The rumors are sometimes true. Since 1971, a nine acre tunnel complex beneath the Magic Kingdom in Orlando was built called the Utilidor. And it has let all our uh, crusty underwear costume cast members shuttle from one area to another in the park without being detected by visitors. I mean, there's lots of employees there.
0: The hidden labyrinth connects locker rooms, dining halls, rehearsal spaces, makeup rooms, park operations, garbage disposal, and ATMs. You know, garbage disposal, that must be crazy. Those parks must be producing mass amounts of garbage every day.
1: I couldn't even imagine. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, like wild, wild amounts of, of garbage.
1: And that's how they get away with it. Just throwing kids down the garbage. (laughs) Throwing
0: kids into garbage. Over the years, people have tried to attach dark urban legends to Disney's tunnels, including rumors of child trafficking and kidnapped children. The central operations room controlling the entire park's animatronics and lights is down there also. Now, for this first episode, we reach our Reddit section, Hushlings. Let's see what Reddit has to say, because... It's filled with people's thoughts. This is from the Reddit TV details via the user DragonVT. Simpsons Treehouse of Horror 2 features a Walt Disney tombstone in the intro. This could be for Walt himself or the Disney company, which had been struggling in the late 80s and early 90s. It's ironic that I'm watching this now on Disney+. Plus
2: user king 64 replied i have to rewatch the episode for context it could also be a jab at the theory of walt disney being frozen because of the icicles on the front the the simpsons always hits the nail on the head when it comes to this weird shit it's true with
0: the predictions with the unveiling of strange secrets all right boys Let's get into our final thoughts on the first part of our Disney exploration. Declassified Dave, what do you got?
1: So far, I think Walt was up to normal business, rich people, things, FBI, NASA, all that weird shit. Illuminati possibly. Uh, but so far a lot of weird stuff still doesn't give me the, the notion that Disney is a, a nefarious force. I think they're just, kind of caught within the web of mind control aspects i mean mind control happens in any type of consumerism so it doesn't matter if it's disney or doritos there's some type of mind control it's the reason why they put video game characters on fucking dorito bags you'd be like oh look a Starfield fucking dorito bag you know like and you jump on it episode two is spicy and that's when it's really gonna get weird So far, unfortunately, Disney sits rent-free in my head. And I'm sure you guys, too, like we said, you know lots of things of Disney because you were a part of the programming.
0: Yeah, I agree. So far, nothing too crazy about Disney, although I know that they are an evil fucking corporation that does a lot of evil things. So next episode will be an interesting one, like you said. Uh, I do think that... Walt Disney and the Imagineers and whoever's taken over the park and turned it into what it is today. And i stri- strictly talking about parks, about the parks alone. They are marketing geniuses with the way that they control the flow of people and the smellitizers and the way that they set these things up. And uh, even some of the urban legends I think have kind of catapulted the parks into legendary status beyond what they are. It'll be interesting to see once we start getting into the nitty gritty and the darkness that Disney holds. I look forward to that for sure. Slick Frog Sanders, what do you got for the happiest place on earth? Frog,
2: final thought. I may or may not retract this uh, final thought following episode two or part two on this subject, but I doubt it. My final thoughts will be brief. MKUltra, children snatching, money hungry, Nazi reptilians looking to control the fucking media. These people are after everything. They're after your money. They're after your thoughts. They're after your children. You got to look out. Don't go to Disney. Don't support these people. Dave, stop it. Stop going to this place. What are you doing? They kill children. They hire alligators. They dress up, (laughs) dude, they dress up chickens as children to train the alligators to eat children. I'm telling you there's something to it.
1: Right to the point, man.
2: No, at this point, nefarious in the beginning in the twenties. I don't think Walt Disney was looking to, um, control your five-year-old's mind or anything i don't think he was trying to dose dose him or her up with lsd and make them watch fantasia for 45 hours straight probably just looking to give kids a
1: good time with a cool movie
2: every now and then and it obviously got out of control
1: I'm gonna elaborate on that. I think in part two. I think I'm gonna look into the Illuminati stuff a little bit more. We can dive down that a little deeper because that was super interesting. I really want to know if they were fucking like, not even micro dosing little kids, just fucking shooting macro dose. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, hushlings. That's gonna do it for part one of Disney. What did you think? Was there anything that we should have mentioned? Anything that we missed? Reach out to us, as always, our email, contact at hushhushsociety.com. Just a quick little announcement. It is uh, we're, we're moving forward. The return of the Conspiracy Roundtable Extravaganza. That's right. We are in round two of the Conspiracy Roundtables. We did them the first time. You guys really enjoyed them. This time, we've mentioned it before, we have three different subjects last Wednesday on the 8th we released the roundtable for Adrenochrome this Wednesday we will be releasing our roundtable on the secret space program and next week on the 22nd we will be releasing our final roundtable of round two of the conspiracy roundtable extravaganza dinosaurs aren't real make sure you tune into that watch them We have a bunch of great people that we brought on, other podcasters, other shows, great perspectives. We had a blast making them. Check those
1: out and uh,
0: let us know what you think.
1: I can't wait to do another one. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, I'm already ready. There's so much fun. Yeah. What uh, topics do you want us to cover for the next roundtable extravaganza? Can we get David Childress on the horn? Also suggestions for podcasters that you'd like us to work with.
2: If you have any that we haven't worked with already, we are totally open to suggestions and we'd be more than willing to reach out to them. So let us know. Be sure to tune in on Monday, the 27th, where we will cover the puzzle of the Fermi paradox, the contradiction between the high likelihood for the emergence of extraterrestrial intelligence and the lack of evidence for its existence. It's been puzzling scientists
1: and philosophers alike for upwards of a century. And our next exclusive debriefing for you patrons will be on Thursday, the 16th, and we'll be rocketing off. With the astronauts of the Challenger. It's only on Patreon. Hushkatiers. We'll see you next time. I'm declassified, Dave. I'm mystery, Mike.
0: Ha And I'm like Frank Sanders. Ha, ha
1: Until our next debriefing. Remember, the best-kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.